just off Interstate Highway 75 in a small city called Williamstown, Kentucky, stands a unique building built to look like a giant boat. This central feature of a park called Ark Encounter is a building built to replicate the dimensions and possible shape of Noah's Ark. That means that this boat-shaped building is 510 feet long, 85 feet wide, and 51 feet tall. Just like the ark described in the Bible, this building has three floors, but this one is not full of real live animals. It's full of museum exhibits that explain and that describe what life could have been like or might have been like aboard the real ark. The real one, built by Noah, that carried him and his family through the flood. This ark encounter was, was built, was made in order to answer some questions and to respond to some criticism. There are lots of people who don't believe that the flood the Bible talks about in the book of Genesis was a real event or that it actually occurred. Many of them think it would be impossible for any size boat to preserve enough animals to allow for what we see in our world today. But the people behind Ark Encounter take God's word seriously. They know that what they say, what he says there, is true. They know, therefore, that what God says about the flood, the flood of Noah's time, is also true. At a time when, when wickedness was widespread around the world, Noah, who was a faithful believer, listened to God, and he built an ark. His progress preached to the people around him as he also warned them with his words about what God had declared, what God had determined. He told them that a flood was coming. It would wipe away everything. Everything from the face of the whole earth, everything except that which was inside the ark. And so into the ark went Noah and his wife, and his three sons and their wives. And into the ark went many animals, animals of many kinds, in male and female pairs, and, and even more than that, of certain clean animals and birds. And then the rain came. All of the people and all of the animals that were outside the ark were buried under the floodwaters. Likely buried also under the, the churning, muddy waters and, 
perhaps volcanic activity as well. We, we may even have direct evidence of this from the many layers of fossils that are found throughout the world. Judgment had come. It was intense. It was complete. And deliverance had come. Noah and his family, after over a year on board the ark, walked out onto an earth that must have seemed so different to them. We really do need to remind ourselves of that context. The truth about what happened to Noah and his family in order that we might also appreciate what happens in our sermon text today. As God here describes for us through the pen of Moses, as he describes what happened, he tells us about what Noah did when he got off the ark. The first thing that he did, the first thing that we're told about at least, is that he built an altar and he gave an offering. And it was a generous offering. Think about it, animals were in short supply, and so the animals that Noah offered up may have been as much as a seventh of an entire kind of animal in, available to him. That gratitude that Noah showed is an example for us. We too are called to give an offering of gratitude. And we can give an offering of gratitude because of what God has done for us and because of what God has promised to us. I'm not sure what I would have done if I had been in Noah's place. I'm not sure what the first thing would have been for me, getting off the ark. Maybe it would be go exploring Go check and see how different the world really was, how unique it seemed without so many of its previous inhabitants, people, and animals. But Noah's not distracted by all that. Just think what he had been through. Besides over a year on the ark, before that, years of preparation and years of building. And he had spent all of that time before entering in the ark in the midst of wickedness and greed and corruption. And he had been mocked and ridiculed. And he had been ignored and he had been rejected. But then he had been rescued. He and his wife and his three sons and their wives were all aboard the ark, along with those many animals. And for days of torrential rainfall and a year of high water over the top of mountain high water, they were safe. And then the moment had finally arrived. They walked out of the ark and they stood on dry ground again. How could Noah do anything 
besides that which he decided to do? How could he do anything besides give an offering? An offering of gratitude. He had so much for which to be thankful. He knew that he could have, maybe even should have, perished in the waters of the flood. He knew he wasn't perfect. He knew that he relied completely on God's grace and God's mercy. That was the reason that Noah had reached that place and that time together with his family, with his loved ones. And that's the reason. God's grace and mercy, that's the reason that he immediately built an altar and gave his offering. It may not be immediately apparent or obvious, but we have a lot in common with Noah. We too have been called out of wickedness and darkness, the wickedness and darkness that surrounds us. We too are surrounded by a society that that ridicules us, ignores the message that's so dear to us, message around which we gather on Sunday mornings week after week. We too know that we're not perfect because we've been far too often tempted by the wickedness and the greed and the corruption. And not just tempted, we've too often fallen into and given into those temptations. And God, the perfect creator of all things, including us, has every right to destroy such wickedness just as he once did in the flood. But what God has done is something completely different. He sent a rescuer. He gave us an escape. He sent his son to to live perfectly in our place and to suffer and to die on our behalf. In calling us to faith, God has snatched us out of the flood waters of judgment and placed us instead on solid, firm, dry ground. So what do we do? Do we wander around and go exploring? Do we think back with longing on those temptations, the wickedness that once held us? Are we like the nine lepers whom Jesus healed, but who never came back to offer their thanks? Noah would tell us what to do. Give an offering of gratitude. Acknowledge that you didn't deserve God's rescue, but He rescued you anyway. And give generously. Give generously, that means taking the time. It means making the effort. Give generously to the people who depend on you. Give generously to the work of God's kingdom through His church. Give to those who are less fortunate. Give your very life as an offering of thanks. Cry out with a loud voice. Fall on your face at the feet of Jesus with your prayers of thanksgiving. 
Noah built an altar, presented an offering by burning it in the fire. Your response may, it probably does look very different, but it serves the same purpose. Expressing your gratitude, expressing your thankfulness for what God has done for you. And that same gratitude is also appropriate for what God has promised. The account in front of us today ends with God saying in his heart that he would never again do what he had just done, destroying every living thing. What he affirms is that he will preserve the the pattern so necessary and useful, the orderly progression of seasons for the benefit of people, planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, all things that we might take for granted, but they're absolutely essential for us. And God promises that he will continue to provide them for us. He blesses us with them. And he does all this and he promises all this in spite of us. See, the character and the nature of people hadn't changed when Noah and his family left the ark. Every child born to them would be born in sin. God says about people, The thoughts he forms in his heart are evil from his youth. Every one of us has been born in this condition and every one of our descendants will be too. But God remains gracious. God remains generous. His promises stand to preserve the world for us and for our needs. And he's given us even greater promises too. He promises that he will one day take us out of this sinful and troubled world. He will take us to be with him in heaven. In fact, even as he gives this promise, God hints at that ultimate goal of our lives under his love. He says, while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, there will be a time when this world is no longer. Summer, winter, night, day, those will pass away when this world passes away. But what will remain forever is what God promises to us. Eternity in heaven with Him because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's, that's simply more reason for us to show our gratitude. It's more reason for us to give our generous offerings because what God has promised to us is just as certain as what God has already done for us. God did indeed do great things for Noah. He had rescued him and his family from the waters of judgment which he sent in the flood. This is a true account. We should not doubt it. 
And when all aboard the ark were able to come out right away, Noah built an altar and gave a generous offering. He was filled with gratitude. May we take his example to heart. May our faith be be overflowing with gratitude and with thanks for what he has done for us, for what he has promised to us. Lord, increase our faith. Amen.